we'd like to welcome you to The Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast of Chapel Hill Baptist Church. Each week, you'll hear biblical teaching from our pastor, Dr. Shannon Moses. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear a way to reach out to us with any questions you might have about this message. Now, let's prayerfully listen as Dr. Moses opens the Word of God. Isn't that going to be amazing? One of these days, we're going to get to see him face to face. We're going to get to join the, the saints of old, all the men, all the women, all the ones that we've read about, all those that we know personally that have gone on before us. But until then, until then, we get to sing here. Until then, we get to taste a little bit of heaven as we come together as brothers and sisters, as we come together in the, in the corporate worship. You know, God... God smiles on this. This was His plan. He desires this. And, and you know, a sad thought is there are those who will miss that great reunion, that great homecoming. They will miss it because, not that, that God is bad, but because they reject so great a salvation. My prayer for you this morning is that you do not reject Christ. That you do not reject what He has done for you. We're the beneficiaries of the greatest love the world has ever known. The love of the Son for the Father. What Christ went and done. He came to this earth on mission and He completed His task fully. He fully drank the cup of wrath. And there on the cross, He, he says those words, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? When, the, when our sin was being poured out, when the wrath of God was being poured out on the Son of God there on Calvary's tree. What you and I, what you and I have to look forward to. But until then, we got to take it day to day, day after day, step by step, moment by moment. We walk by faith and not by sight. We know that we have that out there. But until then, what do we do? Until then, we stay faithful. We stay true to Him. We stay true to the One who made it all possible. How lost we would be. How messed up we would be. Headed for and destined for a devil's hell. But praise God for what Christ did for us. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians. I've been reading through. I appreciate Matthew again. Uh, this past Sunday, and I appreciate Casey during the week and all the guys for taking care of everything while we were able to, to step away for just a moment. And it's always good to be able to know that you can leave and it is in good hands. And I, I do not take that lightly. I do appreciate that so much. And we're reading through the book of Ephesians together as a church. We're reading it over and over and over. When you ride by and you see the church sign, read Ephesians. Ephesians for this month. And and what we're doing, and each month we're reading something different. We've read through First John, and we've read Galatians, and we've read lots of different things. And, and the thing about it, as you read it, you internalize and you allow the Word of God to begin seeping in. And it doesn't just seep in, it begins to seep out of you. It overflows as we, as we live life. We start seeing the Word of God actually happening and living out in our daily lives and you know here we are school has started back whether whatever school you're a part of school started back for those of you that are in work work is just going like work always does it just happens but but you know as as we go out into our lives we're to apply the truths of God's word Ephesians is broken up very 
simply into two parts. Part 1 is sort of the theological aspect of it, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 is more of the application. Therefore, since all of this has happened, this is the expectations. And, and you know, we get excited about the end of it because it's, it's do this, therefore uh, walk humbly. Don't do this, act this way. You know, as a, as a kid, I can remember as a kid looking through the Word of God, just wanting to know what God desires of me. You know, that's a normal thing. We want to please God. We want to bring Him, bring him joy. We want to honor Him. So, so we look, do this, and think this way, and act this way, and go do this, and be this. And, and we want to make Him happy. We want to please Him in all aspects of our lives. And so often when we look at it, we, we see those and we forget the why part of it. We forget what it costs. Chapter 4, verse 1 is one of those verses. It's, it's not exactly this verse, but the concept of walking worthy is, is our baptism shirts. When, when people get baptized, we give them these blue shirts and it's walk worthy of the name of Jesus, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've been called to. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we read here, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul is writing here, writing this and along with a couple of other letters. He's writing back to churches that were planted on his missionary journeys. And he's writing back to them to remind them and to encourage them. And he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This past week, week or so, I have been reading this, like you, regularly, over and over, whether it was in the Bible or on a phone, we've been reading, and, and I get to this portion, and I always would stop, and, and it would weigh heavy on me, that, that concept of the calling that Christ has placed on our hearts and on our lives, the call, and what would, what would impact and, and just sort of shine through it is how much that calling costs. You know, we, we like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And one of the ways we use it is we talk to it, we explain it as a gift. It's a free gift. It was a, it was a gift that God gave. And, and the way you take a gift is you've got to receive it. In salvation, God gave to the world something that you must receive by faith. But that gift costs God quite a bit. That gift costs God really everything. Look over in chapter 1. Chapter 1 says this, beginning in verse 7, it says, In Him, talking about Christ, capital Him, Jesus, in Him we have redemption. Praise God. We like that. We get excited. We are redeemed. Us who are sinners, we know we sin. We are redeemed. Praise God. But notice the next few words. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Christ gave His life for us. Christ gave everything for us. God sent His very best when, when we, you know, when you, when you hear, we get sort of numb to, especially us who are in church all the time, we get numb to these words we get numb to God loves us. We get numb to Jesus died on the cross and words like the gospel and things like that. We get really, really, really numb and we lose the heaviness of what it means to be called into the family of God. We lose that because 
What it actually cost God was Jesus' life. God came to this earth, literally God in flesh, became man and died on a cross. A, a, A literal death, a horrible death. Those were trained murderers who who whooped him beyond comprehension, who beat him to the point of death, who nailed him to the cross, who hung him there, placed that crown of thorns, stabbed him. They did all of that. They beat him. They spat on him. They pulled him. They they were horrible. And there there was the physical pain, yes, but then there was also the spiritual pain. There was that separation, that my God, my God part, that, that part of God turning his back on his son because God cannot look on sin. God's not going to let sin in his perfect heaven. The only way that sinners can be made perfect is through Christ. By being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. By having the blood that was shed there on Calvary cover a multitude of sins. It costs God everything. And when we hear that, look down verse 13. Verse 13 says, In Him, again, capital H being Jesus, in Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. God's chapters 1, 2, and 3 begins and, and makes the case and presents what God did for you and I, so that when you get over to chapter 4 and you see walk worthy of the calling with which, you, which you're called, you're not just doing it because somebody tells you to. You're not just walking worthy because, you know, mama wants me to be good or, or some preacher says I ought to be this way or, or a Sunday school teacher or, or God forbid we're wanting to be good to draw attention to ourselves. Listen, we don't save anyone. Christ Jesus saves everybody. Jesus is the one that saves. Only Christ saves. We don't. So why do we do what the Word says? Why do we do? Why do we apply it? Why do we apply the Word? Why do we, why do we go to, to a chapter 4 of Ephesians and look at verse 1? Why do we walk worthy? Why do we walk in humility? Why do we guard our speech and Guard our actions. Why do we do that? Because guys, when we see Christ, when we look at what He did for us, and what what He did out of obedience to the Father, and we the beneficiaries of that obedience, the, the results of that is freedom. Freedom from death. Look at chapter 2. Look at what it says. And you were dead. Chapter 2 verse 1 literally says this about us. And you were dead. Spiritually dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what we bring to the story. We bring the rebellion. We bring the disobedience. The sin. The slander. The gossip, the bitterness, the backbiting. We bring all of that. We, and the scripture says it wasn't just us, it was everybody. You were spiritually dead, in which you formerly, verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived. We did it too. 
We all live that way. We live that way as well in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, Brother Shannon, why do I walk worthy of the name of Jesus? Why do I walk worthy of the calling with which I have been called? Why? What is, what is your motivation? Guys, our motivation is Jesus only. Our motivation is Christ Jesus only. And we have redemption through His blood. We were saved through His blood. It is His salvation that He gave us. He did for us what we could not do for Himself. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He's loved us, even when we were dead, verse 5 says, in our transgressions He made us alive together with Christ. It was a salvation. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. What motivates us to walk in obedience? What drives us to honor and obey Him and do what He desires us to do? What drives us? It's not a man-driven attitude. It's not we want to... Listen, I've said it. More than likely, the cops are not coming into your neighborhood or your subdivision hauling your neighbors off, are they? You probably live in a pretty decent subdivision, right? Is every person in your subdivision a believer? Probably not. But guess what? They obey the same laws you obey. They run the same speed limits you run. They pay the same taxes you pay. They do the same things your HOA says do. They cut their grass. They park their cars where they're supposed to. They take their trash out. When they're... they do everything like everybody else does. So what separates us from the world? Jesus. What's our motivation? Jesus. Guys, we walk in obedience not because we want to just be good folks. We walk in obedience because we were dead and Christ made us alive. We walk in obedience because we were on a path away from God. Look on down. Look at verse 12. Remember? Chapter 2, verse 12 of Ephesians, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was us. Why do we come here? Why do we come to church to be seen? To be around our, our friends, to, to, to be able to, to come and, and show out and show off, to, to be with that club? No. Guys, we come here because we get to because of Christ. We come here because we have one hope. We have but one hope. Look at what it says. There's a oneness. Go to chapter 4, verse 4. Look at it real quick. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's all because of Him. Our motivation is completely Him. What drives us is completely Him. So when He says, walk in a manner worthy... And you look at what He did for us. Our motivation should not be just because you're being told. 
our motivation. See, see how easy. See how easy it is just to be, I want to try to be better. I want to try to be good. And see how easy it is if we're not careful. Our motivation can be wrong. I want to be good so I can be seen. I want to be good so I can get a job. I want to be good so I can be promoted. I want to be good so I'll be noticed. I want to be because of something on this earth. When the Bible clearly says, therefore, I beg you, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the call in which you have been called. We were aliens. We were on a course, on a path in the wrong direction. But Christ did something radical for us. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13 of chapter 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See what it cost? It cost His death. See what happened? He had to die. He is our motivation. He is our reason. He is our driving force. We were, we were far off, but we were brought near because of the blood of Christ. We have redemption because of the blood of Christ. We have forgiveness because of the blood of Christ. We have what we have, our all in all, is because of the blood of Christ. He's why we walk worthy. He's why we desire to please Him. He's why. We, guys, if it were not, if it had not been for what Christ did, I, I cannot create heaviness. I cannot create weightiness. My words are weak. My words can only say so much. But the Spirit of God has to impress upon our hearts the weightiness and the importance of what Christ did for us. Look at chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. Notice this. Listen to what this is saying. This is what this means. God made known to Paul the mystery. As I wrote before in brief, by referring, verse 4, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Notice this, to be specific. He's going to tell us what is the mystery. What is the mystery that generations of prophets and priests, what is the, the mystery that, that was hid for all those generations that they longed to know but finally was revealed? This is what it is. To be specific that the Gentiles, that's us. To be specific that the Gentiles 
are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. God did, God did not. We, we today should be so excited Because we have the Word of God that says, look, you were dead, but I sent you a Savior. I sent you a Redeemer. I sent you hope. And you weren't even a people, but I made you a people. You were were lost. You were away from me, but I brought you back to me. And it's all because of my Son, Jesus. So, therefore... (laughs) When we get to chapter 3 and we have seen what God did, we have seen how He redeemed us. It was all His work. Verse 8 of chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result in work, so that no man can boast. When we see what God did and how we are the recipients of that great grace and that great love, then we then are implored to walk worthy of that calling. It's not just because you want to be seen or somebody is making you do it. Your your motivation is Christ. Your motivation is, well, look, look at Jesus. Look at what He did. Look at who He is. Look at how far God went. Then the least, the very least, I am to do is to give Him my all. The very least I am to do is to walk in humility. Read read it. Look down verse 2. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. With all humility and, and gentleness, with patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we're to do. Why? Because you're telling us to? No, because of, because of what Jesus did. Our motivation is because of what Jesus did. Students, when you're in school, college, high school, elementary school, wherever you are, you're to walk in a manner worthy of the name of Jesus. Not because... In church, that's just what they always say do. No, because it's when we see Christ and we see what God did, then our response is worship and surrender, sacrifice, and a devotion that He's our everything. He's everything. Which leads to, which leads to, therefore, you get to chapter 4 and you start these applying these things. Look at chapter 4, look at verse 22. That in reference to your former life, chapter 4, verse 22, Ephesians, in reference to your former life, you lay aside the old self. Guys, there's an intentional act of of laying off the old way of life. We're not to do that anymore, not just because, hey, mama said so or the preacher said so. No, but because of who Christ is and what He did, 
We're to walk in obedience to Him and whatever He says do, we're to obey Him. He's our driving force. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and in truth. Here's the thing. Remember how I said in your subdivision, everybody, my kids have gotten into fishing. We got the pond down in front of the house. I got into fishing. You know what? My neighbors fish. People in the subdivision fish. There's people in our subdivision I, I straight up know, don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But you know what? They throw the same lure into the same pond that we do. We don't. What separates us from the world? Christ. We don't act like the world. The world does what the world does. We don't. Yeah, but everybody else is doing it, Brother Shannon. We don't. That, that's not who we are anymore. That, that's the old self. And here's what happens when the, when the old self tries to, to, to make us and drag us back into the old ways. The Bible says we're to intentionally cast off the old self and, and by renewing of your mind and allowing the Spirit of God to, to thoroughly cleanse you by the Word of God and, and you look at what He did and who He is and you, you are reminded that, that look, I'm to walk in a manner worthy of, of the calling with which I've been called and that call calls Everything, it calls Christ died on the cross for me. So I've got to live at a standard of, of holiness. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. If that's not a standard of holiness, then I don't know what is. It literally says, therefore be imitators of God. I mean, that's our standard. I'm sorry. I can't water it down. So when we have been called out by Christ as called ones to be imitators of God, we can't live in the old way. We can't live like the world does. We can't act like the world does. We've got to be intentional. We've got to take it off, I've said before. Here's the thing. Application. What does it look like? You know, a person walks into church, they hear the gospel, they hear the good news of Jesus, that there are sinners and that they need a Savior and they, they trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know what they do? They literally go back home to the same junk. They go back home and the same junk is on their music. The same junk is on their TV. The same junk is in their refrigerator. The same junk is with their friends. The same, the same junk friends that they were running with before Christ, they literally still have. The same junk that was at work, that was at school, that same group of junk that was old and the former lifestyle, that, that's still there. So what does the Bible say do? Because of Christ and because of what Christ did, we start putting off that old stuff. That's not who you are anymore. Yeah, but Brother Shannon, everybody else, don't. That's not an excuse. That's not who you are in Christ. You're to be an imitator of God. That's not who we are in Christ. We put that off and we put on new. We change music. 
What we fill our hearts with, what we fill our minds with, what we fill our souls with, we change our music. We change our friends. We change what we watch. We do different. We take off and we replace it with new. We, we, yeah, Brother Shannon, if, if, if I do that, then I'll lose all my friends. Do you not think for one moment that God, if you walk out in obedience to the God of this universe, that He will not bless and honor your obedience and desire to walk and follow Him? Don't you know that He will honor you? New friends will show up. Clean talking friends will show up. The old jokes, listen guys, we're not the old joke kind of people. The cussing, that ain't us. If you're a cusser in this room, stop. Because you're sickening. I love Jesus, but I'll cuss you out. You're sickening. Stop. That's not who you are. Yeah, but everybody else is doing it. That's not who you are anymore. It's an overflow of you. Yeah, but I've just always heard it. Yeah, but here's the deal. We're not to, we're not to do that. We're, to, we're not to allow stumbling blocks. We don't allow stumbling blocks. We're to, we're to reach... We're to be His hands and His feet. We're to be His representatives. We're to walk in obedience to Him. We're to be heralds of the truth. We can't be heralds of the truth and heralds of the trash at the same time. You've got to re- replace it. Check your walk. Walk worthy of Him. Not of them. We're not pleasing them. It's intentional. He didn't say he didn't say it'd be easy. Blessed are you when men insult you and say all kinds of evil against you for his name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven. God will bless your effort, your obedience, your heart hunger, your pursuit. He will blow your mind. But you can't live in both worlds. You got to let go. You got to take it off. And you got to put on newness. Why, preacher? Did you say so? Because Christ died for you. Because Christ is worth everything. Christ is worth us surrendering everything and following Him in obedience. What if we lose everything? You've got Christ. Father God, Jesus, I praise You. I thank You for saving me. I thank You for dying on the cross 
for being buried in a borrowed tomb and for three days later rising again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. We are more than conquerors through You. You are our everything. Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for this church, this body of believers that has assembled here this morning. God, we spoke before I started earlier about an hour ago that if we just listen to what Your Spirit has to say, You want to speak to us, God. Jesus, You have done everything for us and all You ask us to do is to obey You and to honor You and to surrender our lives to You. Christ, You are worth it. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room, Lord, as they they struggle and they fight and as they wrestle and as they work out their salvation with fear and trembling, God, as they, God, put off, Lord, put off the, the lust of the flesh and the pride of eyes. God, the deceitful things of this world, God, I pray that you would you would surround them with godly men and women, that you would surround them, that you would replace, God, that you would give them a hunger for you and a passion for you and a, and a pursuit that runs hurriedly after you, God. Lord, protect this house, protect these sheep, protect them, God. Put a hedge of protection around these homes that are represented here, Lord. We are your sheep. God, you are our great shepherd. Protect us, Lord. Jesus, it's because of you. Only you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205-339-4071. We pray that God's word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.